talking about with the Johnny Cash song. Just go to the Twitch chat. They got it covered in there. ESPN 1000 Chicago. We have long streamers in the Twitch chat going on 12 hours of consuming ESPN 1000 programming. They kick off the day with Cap and J Hood at 7 a.m. The long streamers are in the Twitch chat the entire day. I see some uh, long streamers in there right now. Uh, we're going on 12 hours as we head towards 8 o'clock and the end of Black and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. I'm Chris Black. This is Black and Abdallah weeknight 6 to 8 right here on ESPN 1000. And Abdallah has the night off. I think you'll be hearing from Abdallah soon. Maybe this week at some point. Maybe this week. Maybe on a, a, a greeny fill-in. Maybe on Friday. Yeah, that's that's probably the next time you're going to hear from Adam Abdallah. I don't, I don't want to give you uh, too much information, but maybe there's a fill-in on Friday in for Greeny. A little Black and Abdallah during the day. Maybe this Friday. Mo in Frankfurt on ESPN 1000. We're talking Bears. What's up, Mo? Hey, Chris. How are you, man? Mo, you sound like you're uh, more with it tonight. What's going on? What was okay, happening uh, last was, night? What happened there? I was sick. I had uh, the flu, whatever they're called. You had a one-day flu cold? Yeah, I ate something bad, man. I, I heard about that on the news. Suck. They had full reports yeah. on the flu cold. Yeah, whatever. I feel good now. I feel good. good. I apologize about that yesterday. Oh, no. Don't so what, you don't have to I apologize. Talking. I was concerned. I was fine. Okay. You know what? You know what? Maybe I was on hold too long. Who knows? Wow. Shots fired. Wow. Uh, I'm just kidding. Hey, by the way, Nick, he's awesome, man. I like that guy. Shout out to Nick. Yeah, Nick. Shout out to you, Mo. Yeah. Call me Joe. I was going to be Joe from Frankfurt, but I was like, yeah, we'll call Uh, him Joe. We would know. We would hear it. (laughs) You can't slip that by us. Oh, no. It's okay. You guys are smart. I know. Yeah. yeah, I can't. I what do they call that guy? The guy, the the Montateo. He got the, the scammed. No, I'm not gonna do that to you guys. Montateo. <laughs> Didn't he get scammed? Yes, catfished. Catfished. That's, I'm not gonna catfish you guys. Come on, something to do. So All let right. me tell you something. I I just wanted to reiterate. Uh, number one, I think the Bears should get that Carter guy. That guy's explosive. I like him. I don't know. If you want to trade down and maybe even get him at four, who knows? But I like the Carter guy, Anderson. I like him, too. I like everybody from USC. Um, the other thing is, I kind of like the idea of this uh, Soldier Field rebuild. I'm going to put the dome on top of it. And, okay. then, um, you know, what they're going to do is move the colonnades to the north and the south side and then you can make the seats wider you're going to have more seating they're not they're not moving the 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 columns are not moving they they said they said the plan would be to build around them so basically when you're in the stadium you could still walk up to the colonnades and they would Uh be inside the enclosure which is how it should have been built in the first place I should have been yes, and I know you're a season ticket holder. Your family is. So mm-hmm. I'm on the same way, and and um, like last Saturday or Sunday, we went to the Bears game. You know, so you know, I was on the jumbotron and everything. But I love that. Wow, place, humble brag on the jumbotron. That's pretty good. Oh yeah, so you look at my tweets, you see it. But anyways, I saw. Um, it. I'm always on there. Um, I love that place, and and it's like. Now I gotta drive an hour and a half to go to Arlington from Frankfurt. Come on, 
I looked it up for you last night. Maybe you don't remember our conversation. It's going to take did. you like it's 50 minutes. minutes but, yeah. but, but you got to talk about parking and walking. And- okay. It will be more convenient to park and a shorter walk. <laughs> How is that a problem? I got to drive an hour and a half. All right. You're just not no, listening to our, the information we're giving you. No, no, no. I understand what you're saying. I understand. I got it. I just wish there was a metro line from Frankfurt. You just wish the stadium would be where you could park somewhere in the loop and then walk for an hour and a half to get to the stadium in the freezing cold. That's what you want. That's what you like. You want to park right down there in the South Loop somewhere, right around the the South Loop Club. You'll park uh, Mm -hmm. off of Harrison and then walk 45 minutes to the stadium. March of the Penguins. That's what you like. So. No, no, I like to drive five minutes to the train station and get off on 22nd and McCormick, go to my tailgate, have the best time with Chris Shellios and whoever's there, they will show up. And then I like to take the bus, the Reggie's bus, to the stadium. Reggie's and, bus. And, and, and I love leaving and taking the, the train on 18th Street and going back home and taking a five-minute ride back to my house. I don't know. Am I being selfish? But well, well, no. we the way you describe that sounds good, but I've done some of that, and there's no way it's as easy as you make it sound. Oh, I'm a professional. But always, Green Bay sucks, and I love you guys. Oh. You guys are great, great, no. happy New Year's. Oh, I'm, I'm missing uh, something. Do you have any show notes? You listen all day long. You got any notes from today? You know, um, like I said, I want to do my show notes on Fridays. Oh, oh wow! This is this is a one day only type of thing now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! You wow. play the music on Friday. You know what I'm saying? We play the music every time. <laughs> I know you do. I know. I'm waiting for it. <laughs> but yeah, Fridays, Fridays, all calls welcome. But now you guys are gonna do it ten o'clock, huh? Yeah, with well, the special guest well, Adam Abella, huh? Yeah, well, we'll be in for Greeny. That's awesome. I'll call you then. I'll do my show notes then. Okay, we we'll be waiting. Love you. All right. Love Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Yep. All right. Thank you, Mo. There's Mo in Frankfurt. He was quicker tonight. He was, he was, you know, I'm not saying he wasn't with it, but last night it sounded like there, there was a struggle of some sort with Mo on the phone last night. I don't know what was happening, but tonight sounded different. And those who were with us last night know what I'm talking about. I'm not crazy about this. Eric and New Lanks, you're on ESPN 1000. We're talking bears. What's up, Al, uh, Eric? How you doing? I'm good, man. What's up? Uh, well, uh, I've been listening to him, uh, on the way home from my mom's as a visitor, and some of these callers, I just, oh boy. Um, you know, I guess Mo and the guy and and Hammond can can run the can run the Bears as they uh, have too small of a stadium downtown and trade away all their picks for injured players in a stadium that also will never have a Super Bowl because it's too old, too few seats. Anyway, um, I don't know why the one guy was talking like uh, you don't draft wide receivers in the first round. If, uh, I don't know. You could probably think of some good wide receivers in the first round. Maybe Jamar Chase. Yeah, a few. Yeah, Justin Chase Jefferson. is pretty good. Jefferson's I think good. That, yeah. yeah, I mean, it would be good to have one of those guys. And, you know, having uh, this kind of group think of, you know, the Bears' defense and its defense. And, you know, they always kind of want these uh, defensive end guys, which, you know, I get. And the one guy was talking about uh, – Getting better offensive line on the free agency is great, but you got to draft some wide receivers in these first couple rounds. I mean, 
I think it was the, the, the CJ guy was like, well, yeah, the Bears have, uh, have some uh, wide receivers. Uh, no, they, they, they really don't. <laughs> Mooney's a three at best, and Claypool, I think, was a three in Pittsburgh. Um, so you, you got to get, you know, Quentin Johnson or, you know, some of, the other, some of the other good guys that are available if they're there. I mean, obviously, if you're picking fourth, you don't want to overdraft them, and maybe you can move down and then pick that guy seventh or eighth or tenth or whoever you can get. But right, you right. always got to find someone to, to – you got to find someone to play cards with you at that point. But, uh, yeah, I just – you know, having, a, uh, having an elite defensive guy is, is nice, but wide receivers have far more impact on the NFL than those guys do. Yeah, uh, because because the NFL now is the men video game come to life. You know how many playoff games has JJ Watt and Khalil Mack won? You know uh, Aaron Donald's still with the Rams. He's pretty good. Sure, but they kind sure. of missed a whole bunch of things. Michael Parsons was fabulous the other weekend. Well, well, Eric, that's uh, but, that's where yeah. it's like you need the the <laughs> best situation would be to have the quarterback, the number one wide receiver, and a number one like edge rusher. Oh, right, yeah. because then you it's it's full complimentary. Where if you oh, can get a lead, exactly. your guy can then just go after a quarterback on the defensive oh, side, sure. and then it like there's an avalanche effect to it, and that's that's the ideal situation, and and that's why I think Cincinnati is very dangerous, is because they have the offensive side and they have some defensive uh, linemen who can get after a quarterback. They're they're underrated in those situations. Sam Hubbard is really good. Trey Hendrickson is pretty good. They've got guys who can get after a quarterback, and and I think that's why Cincinnati is such a dangerous one game team. You know, like in a playoff situation, I think yep. the Bengals are so dangerous. Yeah, I I agree. They got Burrow, they got Chase, and they have a good defense. They don't have super duper stars on the defense, but they have a good defense. Yeah, guys who made plays so, last year in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, and that you need a, you need guys that can make plays. You don't. But if I was the GM, I wouldn't have the super duper defensive end. I would rather have the super duper wide receiver yeah. quarterback combination. You know, yeah. I'm with you, Eric. I'd ra- yeah, I'd rather have Montana and Rice than Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, fair point. You Thanks know. for the call, Eric. Appreciate you. <laughs> hey, thank you. Good night. Yeah, absolutely. And and the way Eric kind of describes that, I think it was about like three weeks ago. Maybe it was before Christmas even. Um, I had a, a start of a show segment where I went through every team at the moment at the top of the standings. And I pointed out that every single team that's trying to win a Super Bowl this year, that's considered a Super Bowl contender, they have a number one wide receiver. Every single team, the Eagles, the Bills, the Bengals, uh, we we then discussed how Kansas City had the number one wide receiver, traded him. They still have Travis Kelsey, who's, who's a he's a receiver, right? Tight end. He's probably the best in football. So you could either say that they have it, or you could say that they have Patrick Mahomes who can make up for not having a number one guy, uh, and they might be the only team who can get it done. Every other team in football has one: San Francisco, Minnesota, Tampa Bay. Dallas, they all have a number one wide receiver. Every single team that's fighting for a championship has a number one guy. And I think that's a great call from Eric. Today's NFL is determined based on the quarterback, 
his ability to score points and that connection with a top wide receiver because you need to move the chains. You need someone who will always be available, who can break coverage and to get open. And then you always need someone who can go up and fight for a 50-50 ball. And that's the most important thing for a quarterback. I think it's more important than using assets at the top of the draft on the offensive line. To me, the wide receiver is more important in today's NFL. Do you need a good offensive line? Yeah, you do. But it's more important to have that number one wide receiver. We'll take more of your calls coming up next. You're listening to Black and Abdallah. ESPN Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. It's Black and Abdallah. Follow us on the gram at Black and Abdallah and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Black and Abdallah, weeknight, 6 day, right here on ESPN 1000. Abdallah has the night off. Chris Black taking your phone calls at 312-332-3776. Talking Bears football. I do have one thought, though, uh, not Bears related. I was thinking about this earlier today. Uh, you know how life is just all about perspective, right? Like uh, you, you could make whatever situation what you want to make it. And I feel like today was the prime example of that is that it was 49 degrees outside today and it felt great. It just hits different when it's in January. But when it hits in early October, it is freezing outside but 49 in january or february oh it's beautiful oh look at this the sun kind of peeked through today this is just a delight walking around downtown chicago just enjoying myself wow this is great it's all about perspective like in the winter we're used to being like the cold weather has changed us and then when we get like any peak of of slightly moderate temperatures it's thrilling but at the end of the summer it's brutal when it's 49 and it's in september or if it's uh in october it just it's a mood killer and today it was great and that like i just kept thinking to myself man it's it's always just life's about perspective like right like it's just this if this was uh, was in the fall i would feel totally different about the way today kind of played out but that was great. What a what a beautiful day it is. That <laughs> was 49 degrees, January 11th. Ah, how nice. Nick in Bolingbrook, you're on ESPN 1000. We're talking Bears. What's up, Nick? Hey, what's going on, fellas? How you doing? I'm good, man. What's up? No, I was just calling. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I've been, you know, celebrating too much with the win and the loss and the other loss that they gave us three wins for the day. But I'm thinking, why can't we trade – with Houston, like everybody saw training back with Houston to give them the number one pick and give us the number two pick. If we can maybe get, like, say, Cook out of out of Houston along with both of their first-round picks, and that gives us the second and, I think, what's it, the seventh? And then we turn around and flip that second to Indy because they're needing a quarterback, too, and maybe we can get something out of them, like a DeForest Buckner, and take back to their fourth spot. Now we've addressed wide receiver. We've addressed defensive line. We're picking fourth. Seattle picks whoever they want. We're guaranteed one of the two defensive guys, and we're still getting that seventh pick. 
Yeah, that's a good idea. And the Bears I mean, should like, definitely trade back. I'm I'm with you on that. I mean, I don't know if it's even possible. I mean, am I just you know too much happy sauce? You know, that to expect to be able to trade back back to back with two teams that need quarterbacks. I mean, no, you that, might you might be a- able to do that. Um, it's going to take a lot of work to get that done. But I, I think the Bears really have to play up during the pro days that these quarterbacks are great, and there is the possibility that they may take them. Like, right. right, like that's what they're going to have to play up, even if they think Justin Fields is the guy. And thanks for the call, Nick. You know, R- Ryan Poles talked about it yesterday. If Justin's the guy, or do you think he's the guy, even though you have the number one pick? And this is what you said. Well, we're going to do the same as we've always done. We're going to evaluate the draft class, and I would say this: I'd have to be absolutely blown away to make that type of decision. Now, he didn't say no; we won't take a quarterback, and he didn't say that Justin Fields is one hundred percent our quarterback for the future. He said that if they're blown away, that's what would change their thinking. Now, there is the opportunity for the Bears to be blown away. Right, like they're going to go to the pro days for Bryce Young, for C.J. Stroud, for Will Levis. They'll do the work, like Ryan Poles is suggesting. I would imagine Fields is still the better guy. When you look at all three of those top prospects for quarterback, I think at the end of the day, you'd still rather have Justin Fields. So I don't think it's, um, I don't think that's necessarily a concern. But you have to like allow the rest of the league to think that it's a possibility to then. Play your hand to get the most out of the leverage that you have, having the number one pick and having a quarterback. It's the best possible situation you could be in in this situation. Having the number one pick is not the best situation you can be in in the NFL, but if you're going to be there, having a guy who can be your number one quarterback makes it so much easier. Dan in uh, River Forest, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Dan? Yeah. Yeah, my question is, I mean, you know, there's been people talking about, uh, you know, trading for uh, Devontae Adams, which he carries a lot of money. Yeah. Why isn't there that much talk about going after uh, DeAndre Hopkins, which would probably cost less? Yeah, you know, we we talked about it a little bit. Thanks for the call, Dan. uh, We mentioned it earlier in the show that that's going to be a name that's going to be brought up for rumors. I, I think based on what the Cardinals do, uh, they're sitting at the top of the draft board as well. Arizona's sitting three. I would imagine they have their quarterback, Kyler Murray. They they gave him a huge contract. They just fired Cliff Kingsbury. So they're going to have a new coach. I'm guessing that this team's going to look at their situation at 4-13 and 13 this year and losing the last seven games of the season and suggest that they could rebound quickly. And therefore, that might pull Hopkins off the table. But if they decide to go a different avenue, then then maybe Hopkins could be available for the Bears. Dominic in Manhattan, listening on the ESPN Chicago app. Dominic, you're on ESPN 1000. Black, how you doing, brother? What's up, good man? Evening. Everything good? Everything is good. You know, I've had additional time to think about a little bit more in depth here. Um, a perfect world for me. Um is taking a page out of John Lynch uh, playbook. Um, you got to start building the trenches. It, it's obvious. A lot of us, we speak on this and we know this. Um, I, I completely respect, you know, your view on one salary cap. You don't want to blow your load with, you got 118 million. You never um, want to do that. The, no, you don't. But that being said, you got two six foot eight offensive linemen. that are going to be in the free agents in free agency. 
Yeah, Mike McGlinchey, Notre Dame guy. Um, left tackle, right tackle. You got also Orlando Brown Jr., who Poles did draft. Uh, both Pro Bowl uh, individuals. Poles also drafted two individuals on the Chiefs that were mid-tier draft picks that ended up going to the Pro Bowl, rookie year, second tier. So I am trusting Poles with, first of all, drafting in the trenches, right? So if we did, in fact, get one or both offensive linemen, probably one just because of the, the value that they're going to have, um, I think that's going to solidify at least one position tackle-wise. Now, with everybody talking about the draft, um, I agree we should trade it, but I don't think we should trade as high as everybody's saying, right? We're talking Carter, which is going to be a top-five pick. Um, we're talking top 10 pick everyone's asking for. I'm thinking more so the bottom half of the draft, looking at the teams that need the help and to the positions that we need as well that they can help give us, right? Yeah. My eyes are in the Chargers. They're, yeah. Right now they're drafting 24th. Um, and with that being said, you got the number one pick. You get rid of the number one pick, swap, swap picks, one in 24. You got Keenan Allen. Mind you, yeah, he's no young, you know, young pup. But he's a 30-year-old number one receiver, that, which we can have for at least good four or five years by the time we're looking to get into the playoffs, um, which would then solidify the receiver position. Um, with that pick, though, with the 24th pick, the one individual that I've been really looking for and really wanting, which could fall down towards that bottom half of the draft, is Mozzie Smith. Now, he's a defensive tackle. He's a monstrous nose tackle um, that put up just amazing numbers with Michigan. Uh I think by doing so with those three points, you get one offense, solid offensive lineman, you got a young defensive tackle, uh, and then you get a number one receiver out of it too. And then that way you still have a numerous draft picks. You might even get an additional draft pick out of uh, the Chargers as well, um, in which we already know we're looking at then close to 10 draft picks. So just kind of get your feel on that one. I know it's a little rant and raving, but I don't know what your thought might be on that, that decision. No, all good. Uh, and I like the thoughts. Mozzie Smith, uh, he, I'm seeing as the seventh best defensive interior player on the line uh, on the draft board that I'm looking at. So, yeah, if you, if you pass up Jalen Carter, there's obviously going to be spots later in the draft where Ryan Poles is going to have to do some good work, right? Like, I, I will say this. Uh, for as much that I want to knock Ryan Poles for the Bayless Jones Jr. situation, in that draft selection in the third round, he did select two players in the second round that were basically full-time starters this season. Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker were, for the most part, pretty good, right? Like, we all feel solid about those two heading into the future. So that's where Ryan Poles is really going to have to make up the roster is he's going to have to find guys in later rounds, second, third, fourth, fifth round, to really fill out this team, to find starters who immediately can play, you know, year one and contribute. Because the roster that was out there against the Vikings, how many guys will actually play for this team next year, right? Like, not many. So he's going to have to find guys in the draft, either on the defensive line, uh, more help in the secondary, and even some of those pieces on the offensive line. You know, Braxton Jones... His ability to start for the most most part of this season, that was huge for the Bears. You know, Saples can can find someone else to add to the group in this year's draft who immediately can come in and, and impact 
the offensive line. Now you're building depth. That's what you need to do. Pat in the South Loop, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Pat? Hey, gentlemen, how you doing? We're good. What's up? Listen, yeah, setting off season for the Bears. Uh, for the draft, yes, the Bears will trade down. That will happen. And But they were not going to trade down past four. Uh, I think that it's a perfect setup. Indianapolis Colts need a quarterback. They've made that very clear. Everybody knows it, but now they've made it clear to everyone. We have Ryan Poles has a previous relationship with Chris Ballard. And Matt Eberfuss, as we all know, you know he came from coaching the Colts. Uh, now, I, as far as what we can get back in return, um, I definitely think uh, we'll get back their second-round pick, which is top of the second round. And uh, I'm looking to get a player back in that situation. And for me personally, I mean, obviously, if you know they'd be open to moving Quentin Nelson, that would be phenomenal. Uh, if not Quentin Nelson, possibly DeForest Buckner. Or if not DeForest Buckner, uh, Shaquille Leonard. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Shaquille Leonard. Yeah. That's, that's the guy they wanted Roquan Smith to be. Now, Roquan Smith just signed uh, you know, his extension with the Ravens, but they were smart for not paying him. Because if you compare the numbers from Shaquille Leonard to uh, Roquan Smith and what Eberfluss, you know, what is important to him in that position is, uh, is the ball, you know, getting turnovers. Now, Darius Leonard had, in four seasons, he had 17 forced fumbles. I mean, yeah. He's like a Peanut Tillman linebacker. So that's uh, – I'd love to see that. That would be great. And uh, as far as free agency, I can guarantee that one of Orlando Brown Jr. or Mike McGlinchey will be signed by the Bears. It was kind of a bad blow that uh, Jack Conklin and Elton Jenkins went off the market. But we got to solidify one of the tackle spots. And as far as a lot of the callers, you know – they want a wide receiver, number one. So do I. And uh, that'd be great. But and when it comes to the draft, you can't overdraft. Like, one of those players, either Will Anderson Jr. or Jalen Carter, has to be wearing a Bears jersey next year because you got to have stars to win. And there was one of the callers was saying about, you know, all the top. He was talking about uh, the importance of wide receiver and, you know, what, what defensive players have, you know, what did Khalil Mack do or uh, – or J.J. Watt, but how about Vaughn Miller? How many Super Bowls has he won? Two, one of which he was the MVP. So defensive players can make an impact. And our pass rush is arguably our biggest concern. So thanks a lot, gentlemen. You guys no, have a great night. No problem. Let's bear down. Yeah, thank, thanks, Pat. Thanks for the phone call. Did, did Pat just continue to talk into a spot where then he proved his point wrong with the Vaughn Miller? I was trying to follow along with that. Uh, we're going to continue with the Bears conversation. We've taken great Bears calls tonight. They continue. We will continue talking Bears. And also, one of the highlights of the week each week is we get to talk college basketball with Tyler Aki, and that's coming up next. Chicago's home for sports. Black and Abdallah. ESPN Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. I'd like you to meet someone who's really special. It's Black and Abdallah. A real inspiration. Follow us on the gram at Black and Abdallah and at ESPN underscore Chicago. We're talking a lot of football here on the show. But we know that when we get to March, we're going to talk some college basketball. We're all going to be filling out brackets. We're all going to be watching. 
That's when college basketball takes the highlights of everything and everyone pays attention. And that's why here on Black and Abdallah, once a week, we talk to Tyler Aki. College basketball expert here at ESPN 1000. Find him on Twitter, Tyler Aki. You can also listen to Basketball U, the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. A new episode dropped yesterday. Tyler Aki also produces Black and Abdallah. And he's here to share some college basketball information with us. So when we get to March, when we get to March Madness, we're all a little bit smarter when it comes to college basketball. Hello, Tyler. Hello, Black. It has been quite the week this week in college basketball. Lots of coaching stuff this week. Catch me up to speed. Well, first of all, uh, Texas, Chris Beard was fired. Mm -hmm. Not a good situation there. No, sir. Uh, Now, he wasn't in Texas for long, right? Like, he was at Texas Tech, takes the Texas job, the Longhorns, Mm -hmm. because Shaka was sent out. Correct, yep. And now, so they're searching for a coach. What do they do? What do the Longhorns do? All right, I think Texas is kind of diving into this situation at the right time. Because there's going to be so many different candidates and and really good ones, too. Because not only is Texas a pretty big program and and a lot of funding on both the basketball and football side, but they're going into the SEC as well. Right. So, and and with the SEC being this up-and-coming conference basketball-wise with a lot of really strong coaches, there's a lot of really good options for Texas right now to try to poach from some of these programs that are not elite programs, but right now are pretty good programs. You know, it's the same conversation you and I had on Chicago's College Tailgate with college football. Yeah. Teams that see that they're moving to the SEC or the Big Ten, like the Big Ten situation for coaches is elite now. Yes. And then also the SEC, if you could be a coach in the SEC or the Big Ten, it's huge for college football. Same for college basketball. Uh, I was shocked the other day. I think I was watching SportsCenter, mm-hmm. and they made a joke like about how bad Kentucky was. Did they oh, lose yeah. to South Carolina or something this week? Not only did they lose to South Carolina, they lost to Alabama by 26 on Saturday. Oh, no. And here's the thing about it is everyone just kind of was like, eh. Like, they sh- kind of shrugged it off. And it's like, if that's where your program is, where you can lose a a game by 26 points in the conference and you're Kentucky, you're a traditional blue blood. Right. And it's just kind of like, oh, business as usual, on to the next one. And then you lose to South Carolina, who's ranked 215th in Ken Palm going into that game. Oh, no. You lost at home. Those are Horizon League numbers. As a 20-plus point favorite. (laughs) Really? And you lose at home. So how, how did uh, Calpari in Kentucky get here? Like, what's the situation? I thought that they were the kings of the one and dones. They brought back the national player of the year, and this is where they're at right now. Where they're, they just don't have a good point guard right now. The fan base is apathetic towards them. It's just a me- Did you see what happened last night? They kicked the fan out who had a sign that said, just go to Texas. <laughs> For Calipari, just go to Texas. Please so go to Texas. They kicked them out of the arena. So you're saying they're a little thin skin there. Yeah. In Lexington. So I saw this too. Uh, Jeff Goodman had a quote from a coach, a head coach, that played against Kentucky this year. Okay. Talking about Cal and, and just the state of the Kentucky program. I think he's lost the players. Their oh. offense is so crappy. He used a different oh. word there that I can't say. Uh, he does it start with an S? It does. Is there an S and on ends the board? with a Y, yes. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> 
he runs and he doesn't run anything for their guards. Their offense is a mess right now. They can't they can't get anything going offensively, and their defense. I mean, there weren't high expectations for their defense heading into the year, and it's still not good. <laughs> I that that's amazing. It's amazing to me how a program with so much funding in in the the profile of Calipari can be struggling to this extent. But wasn't the knock with uh, Kentucky teams always that like Calipari wasn't necessarily a great in-game coach? I mean, he he doesn't care about winning a national championship. He cares about putting five first-round picks out there. Right. And here's the tricky situation and kind of why it kind of ties together Texas and, and Cal here because he's got a lifetime contract at Kentucky. A right. lifetime contract. Yeah. So, like, I don't know, like, if if he leaves, like, does Kentucky have to kill him? Like, I don't, I don't know what happens here. But he could go down to Texas. Like, this could be the perfect out for him. You're still at a high-profile institution. You've got a, a significant program alum with Kevin Durant, who's very, like, active with yeah. oh, Texas yeah. basketball and, like, promoting Texas basketball. Didn't he fund their, like, uh, training their facility? Train, yeah, like, their practice facility, yeah. Um, and then you're moving to the SEC. So guess what? You can go stick it to Kentucky if you're so oh. good on the back end of this thing. So I think that, that that could be the match there. I think that's the perfect out for both sides. All right, now uh, as we're sitting here in January, we're starting to try and align the teams that can make the tournament. What does the Big 12 look like? Uh, can the Big 12 get a ton of teams into the tournament this year? So I was looking at Joe Lenardi's bracketology yesterday. He's got all 10 teams like within the hunt of making the tournament. Like The last team that he had was Texas Tech, and they were in the next four out. So they were in like the field of 76, that would be. Um, but I think that with the Big 12, every single game pretty much, we talked about this before. There's like the quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four. Right. Pretty much every single game that's going to be played in the Big 12 this year is going to be a quad one game. That's amazing. So the fact that they are so highly rated in the net rankings, which is the NCAA evaluation tool rankings, that which is used as a part of the formula for fielding the NCAA tournament, there's a chance the Big 12 gets like eight or nine teams. They will have the highest percentage of teams of any conference. And one of the things that's been intriguing with that conference in particular is it seems like every single week, there's this new team that's like the, the flavor of the week. Right. Like this past week, it was Kansas State. They went through and had a road win at Texas and a road win at uh, Baylor as well. Uh, the week before that, it was TCU. Like each week, there's this new team. This week, I have a feeling it's going to be Iowa State because they've got a couple of big matchups this week. So there's this new flavor of the week in the Big 12 every single week, and that's what makes the conference a lot of fun. I wasn't quite ready for you to drop Lenardi's name. I feel like he's like the groundhog. He only Dude, he pops started out once a year and ah, here, here's my bracket. <laughs> yeah. And like he, we, we, we talk about Lenardi for like a month and then he goes away for a year. Yeah. He, he's, he gets the, the TV shots in the bunker and then he just stays <laughs> down there the other 11 months of the year. Uh, locally, Tyler, is there any hope for any local teams to make the tournament? So right now, I would say the team with the best chance to make the tournament is Northwestern. Really? Loyola has not been good this year. Um, Illinois has been one of the biggest disappointments in the entire sport this season, although they did pick up back-to-back wins, one of them against Wisconsin, and then last night they crushed Nebraska. I see they're they're in the others receiving votes in the uh, AP this week. Yeah, I, 
is. But uh, looking at Northwestern, like they've played very good defense this entire season, and they've pulled off a couple of road wins this year. I just don't know. Like they're going to run into a lot of games where their offense, like I think they're outside the top 150 in offensive efficiency. So the offense is just going to be dead some games, and sometimes the defense won't show up. They'll be in pretty much every single game this year, but I, I don't know if it's going to be enough to get into the tournament. What, what are the best games this weekend as we get ready for the uh, – I know we'll have a lot of NFL football wildcard right. weekend this weekend. Any good college basketball we should keep our eyes on? Yeah, so Maybe I'm, I'm guessing early on a Saturday before we get to the football. Right. Uh, so in the Big 12, I like a couple of games this weekend, Kansas State and TCU. Kansas State, I mentioned they had the two wins in uh, Texas already. Uh, they're going for the, the Texas Slam to, to win on all four uh, Texas road games. And they've got another one against TCU. That's going to be a really good game this weekend. West Virginia and Oklahoma will be good. Duke is taking on the ACC leaders in Clemson this I'm weekend. Duke. I'm still here. By I'm the in way, the background. Duke was getting my team. crushed earlier today. I think it's a little bit closer now. But they, they were losing at home by double digits to Pitt. John. And the last John, time it's my team, that, John. Uh, that Duke and Pitt played What's in, your at Cameron. Yes. That was like that. It was when Coach K was going on his heater of embarrassing himself. He yelled at the fans for chirping Jeff Capel. He's like, we need more supportive chants. How about a come on, Duke? Come on. Let's go, Duke. I'm Duke. Defense. I'm Duke. I'm the overlord. Yeah. Call me daddy. We haven't seen him in a while. He's he's oh, that's he's waiting. Nice. That's refreshing. He's that's waiting. good for the college no. basketball fan. But, oh no, he's lurking. Duke's lost a couple of games. He's waiting for his celeb shot. Because this like guy. everyone knows, like, okay, there's the one annoying guy at every like college party or, or like early twenties party who the pong table's running and they they walk up to the table and ask for the celeb shot, right? That's gonna be <laughs> Coach K. Give it like a month or two, maybe even maybe even a year, he'll keep his distance. But he's gonna ask for a celeb shot at some point. Because because Shire would fill in coaching for him a couple times. Like he took a couple absences, some medical oh, no. leaves, and it was Shire. You, you think Coach K is not banking up these celeb shots in his mind? No, he's, he is. He's going to call up his buddy Jim Nance. He's going to get ready with a weepy cry. Oh, yeah. And then he's going to have his call ready to go. And mm-hmm. here, here comes Coach K back on the court, on his court, at his school. I'm yep. Duke. Yep. He'll also officiate that game. He's going to just yeah. stand in the middle of the court with his hands out. And like as Nance they, as will, they play Nance, around him. Nance will give away the tie. Coach K will give away the toupee. <laughs> That's what will happen. Tyler, if uh, our great listeners go to the Basketball U podcast, what will they find from this week's episode? So this week I dove into a couple of the candidates that are intriguing, and including one, actually. This is one that Jeff Goodman threw out there that I saw. Billy Donovan oh, as no. a candidate for Texas. Oh, so as a Bulls fan, I would not like that. Yeah, I think Donovan's a good coach. Um, and then also, I was looking at the the preseason top three in each conference and kind of where the standings are right now, and how there's been a major shift in all of that. So a lot of things are, are changing in college basketball. right Check now. Check it out; it's the basketball U, basketball U podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. Tyler Aki hosts that. He's our college basketball expert here on Black and Abdallah. And here at the station at ESPN 1000, you can also follow him on Twitter at Tyler Aki underscore. I'm Duke. It's my party. I'll cry if I want to. What's your major? I've got great college football news for you coming up next. This is 
Chicago's home for sports on FM 100.3 HD2, the ESPN Chicago app, and ESPN 1000. This is Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Follow the show on Twitter at Chris Black and at Adam A. Abdallah. Thank you to Tyler Aki and to Nick Makzala for producing tonight's show, Black and Abdallah. I'll be back tomorrow night at 6, 6 to 8, right here on ESPN 1000. Also with Carmen and Yurko at noon, right here on ESPN 1000. The news breaking, John Yurkovich. That's right. You heard it uh, earlier today with Carmen and Yurko. Yurko called in and said that his sources are telling him. Here, I'll, I'll give Yurko the proper due. His sources are telling him. Yeah, it's, I'm not going to give him the breaking news sound effect again. They already used Adam Waddle and Sylvie, but I'll, I'll give him the uh, baseball tonight chimes. Yurko is reporting. I have not seen it on the bottom line on ESPN yet this, this evening, but uh, Yurko is reporting that the AFC championship game, if it takes place at a neutral site, so if it uh, is Buffalo, Kansas City, uh, Buffalo, Cincinnati, whatever the case may be, where that then turns into a neutral site game this year, Yurko is reporting the game will be played in Atlanta. Yurko, first to report. That's right. Woj, Schefter, Shams, they can all kick rocks because we have Yurko. And his news-breaking abilities. It was outstanding. He called into Waddle and Sylvie earlier today. Uh, so I'll be back tomorrow night, 6 to 8, right here on ESPN 1000. And I'll uh, also be with Carmen and Yurko tomorrow starting at noon. Uh, we have not talked a whole lot this week about the college football that we saw with the championship game on Monday night. We've obviously been talking Bears football Ryan Pohl spoke to the media yesterday. So we, we've talked a lot of Bears uh, football. And also with the number one draft pick in this situation with this offseason being the most important offseason in Bears history, we're going to talk a lot of football. I did want to fit in a couple of minutes, though, a couple of thoughts on college football because I saw this. I thought it was interesting. Obviously, Georgia beats TCU 65-7. to They go back-to-back. They win last year. They win this year. Uh, if you've looked ahead, their schedule next season is very very easy. In fact, they almost have no bumps in the road in front of them for next season. Georgia will be the number one team in the preseason, I'm assuming. They will also be the team that's likely in the odds to run the table to get to the college football playoff again for the third straight year. Will they win it? I don't have that answer for you tonight, but they go back to back. Teams uh, in the modern era, the last ones to go back to back, we go back to Alabama in 2011, uh, in 2012, uh, USC in 2003 and four. The thing with that, though, in 2003, USC shared the national title with LSU because at that time it was the start of the BCS era. But also they were uh, doing like the dual national title thing, which was commonplace in college football back in the day. So USC wins the Rose Bowl. Uh, LSU wins the BCS title game and they split the national title. Nebraska won the national title in 94 and 95. Um, 
But that's basically it. We've seen a team now go through the regular season undefeated after the year they win the title in Georgia. And they were just built differently than everyone else. And TCU didn't have a chance. And if you dig into any of the the stuff about TCU and their the way that they were built with Sonny Dykes coming over as a new head coach in the transfer portal, it, they don't have five-star or four-star recruits. They just don't. They have a lot of good players who played really well for the Horn Frogs this year. They don't have five-star guys. And unfortunately, in college football, the best teams are the teams that recruit the best because they have the best players. It sounds simple, but that's how the sport is played. There's also a piece of news that I thought was great from the other night, and that was college football announcing who got into the Hall, the hall of Fame. Reggie Bush gets into the Hall of Fame, uh, who won the Heisman Trophy for SC, and then they vacated the Heisman Trophy. They should give the trophy back. Uh, but Reggie Bush is in the College Football Hall of Fame. And then Tim Tebow, quarterback from Florida, he gets into the Hall of Fame. He won the Heisman Trophy in 2007. So congrats to Bush and Tebow and some others like Dwight Freeney gets in. Uh, And seeing the news with Tim Tebow reminded me of we had a song of the night back in uh, September of 2001. The song was St. Elmo's Fire by John Parr. You know the song. It's from the movie. The, The Brat Pack Days. It was a great song. You hear it now, you turn it up, right? This is a legendary song. Right, you know the song. In doing research for that song of the night at the time, we found out that John Parr is a sports fan, and John Parr is a Broncos fan, and decided that he was going to write a song in honor of Tim Tebow when he made that run with the Broncos. Remember when they won all those games he couldn't throw? And he named the song Tim Tebow's Fire. It's exactly the same song with different lyrics. I'm not kidding. Same exact song. He just changed some words in honor of Tim Tebow. This is real. So we honor Tim Tebow making the College Football Hall of Fame. Black and Abdallah will be back tomorrow. Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports.